Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are celebrating the 17-year partnership between Christ Church and the Urban Impact Foundation as we are joined by the president and founder of UIF, the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Yeah, that's going to be great. You know, you're going to hear that again on December 7th and 8th, so you come and join that. Next thing, though, we'll have an orchestra down there. We'll have another 150-voice children's choir. We'll have actors. We'll build sets. It's going to be fantastic. You don't want to miss it. Matter of fact, when I'm preaching, as I'm preaching, you can take the sermon notes, and you can write names in there. What I'm asking you to do, because last year we filled that place up, and over 200 people responded to the gospel just this, this past Christmas. At, at light tonight. You know why that happens is because most people won't come into a church. I mean, that aren't church. They will come on Christmas and they come on that Christmas day, but they will come on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And this is an opportunity to bring some people to, around Christmas time. Still in America, that can get done. So I'm encouraging you to write some names down, people that you would like to invite. And I have learned this in my life. Before you talk to people about God, you need to talk to God about the people. And if you will pray and you will ask the Lord to give you that opportunity, you'll be amazed how God will use you where you can impact your friends and families, those people you work with, for Jesus Christ this, this next Christmas. Amen? Think about that. Really, write those names down as we go. Not write those names down as we go. Also, uh, Pastor Jared said we've been doing this for 17 years, and it's been really exciting. And I'm looking forward to the next 17 years. And Pastor Jared, I'm going to ask that you stay right here with me for a moment. And what, what we're doing together is that we've decided to lock arms together and not only impact, if you will, this year, but going forward, I believe that the impact that we've been making will be even greater because Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation are going to lock arms together in the coming Christmas seasons. In other words, in 2019... We're going to make every one of the weekends in December a weekend that will encourage and challenge you in your faith, as well as giving you an opportunity to bring people to Christ. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'd like you to pray with me, if you will, as Urban Impact and Christ Church gather together and continue to do this for his glory. But folks, that doesn't happen without a man who has passion and vision. And I want you to pray for your pastor. Uh, that he is, has a vision not only for what God's doing in your life and in your families and around the world, but he has a vision and a passion to reach the city of Pittsburgh. Amen. And I, I want to say this to you. I'm in a lot of churches, and I'm sorry to tell you that most churches in the surrounding area do not have a vision for the city of Pittsburgh. So it's unique, and I thank God for it. Pray with me, will you? Father, we thank you for Jared. We thank you for the leadership of the church. And we would ask in Jesus' name that you would continue to protect him, strengthen him, encourage him, and the staff, and all of us in this room, that we will carry out what you've called us to do. And that's to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world, which includes our cities. So Lord, make a way here, even when there seems to be no way. Strengthen, encourage, and keep and protect our pastor. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Give him a hand, folks. Well, the title of our sermon this morning is called Celebrating Our Partnership. That seems appropriate. Celebrating Our Partnership. Our passage is going to be found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'll read that in a moment. But why are we celebrating, or what are we celebrating? We're celebrating this, that God has created, 
chosen and called us to lock arms together so that we might impact the city of Pittsburgh for Jesus Christ. I want to ask one more time that you would pray for me, that I will be a vessel that God uses to speak to you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I ask right now that you'd forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And that you'd fill me with your spirit. That you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people wouldn't just be stirred, but that we would be changed. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our passage again is found in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The title of the sermon is called Creating our, our, Celebrating Our Partnership. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We'll also be going back into the Old Testament in a passage found in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. If you want to turn there and put your thumb there, we'll be going back and forth between the Psalms in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. But let me ask this question. How many of you have heard of Helen Keller? Can you raise your hands? Most of you, if not all of you. And the reason you know who she is is because she made a tremendous impact in this world, despite the fact that she had a number of limitations. And one of those limitations was that she was blind. And a reporter asked her once, what's worse than being blind? And she said, able to see, but have no vision. Able to see, but have no vision. What I believe what the Lord wants to do this morning for all of us is to give us a clear vision of his, hear me, his purpose for your life. For he's the one who gave you life. Someone said this once about life. Life is like a coin. You can spend it anywhere you want, but you can only spend it once. What was that person saying? You have one life. Make it count. There's no doubt in my mind you did not come here this morning in hopes that Pastor Ed Glover would help you to figure out how you can waste your life. It's not why you showed up here. Matter of fact, I've been in ministry for 32 years and nobody's ever asked me, Hey, Ed, can you help me to figure out how I can waste my life? No, what you're asking is this, and if I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times. Pastor Glover, can you help me figure out why I'm on the planet and what in the world I'm supposed to do? Because I want my life to count. I want to make an impact with my life for Jesus Christ. And every time they ask me that question, I take them to the passages I'm going to take you this morning. They're found again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, for we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to take that word workmanship in the very beginning there. And I want to break it down for us. What's that, what that's saying is what the, what the Bible teaches. And that's this. That God is the creator and we are his creation. He is the designer and we are his design. Here in this passage is referring to God as the craftsman and we are his workmanship. I know that you know, but I'm reminding you that you know that you are one-of-a-kind, custom-designed creation of God's. There'll never be another one like you on the planet. No one, else, no one else will ever have your fingerprint, your voice print, your footprint, your DNA. You've heard the old saying, when God created you, he broke the mold. That's true about every one of you in this room. You're unique. You're an original. You know, this past week, someone told me this. He said, you know, God loves variety. Now stop for a moment and look around. Look at the people around you. They look a little different than you. They might be taller, smaller. There might be a woman, a man. Or all, all, God loves variety and not one of us are, are going to be the same. We're unique. Someone told me this, that God created 300,000 beetles. 300,000 different beetles. 
This past week, I said that to somebody. I said, did you, you know how many uh, beetles that God created? And they said, yeah, four. <laughs> you know, Paul and John and Ringo. I said, no, no, I'm talking about beetles. I'm talking about the insects. He, he created 300,000 of them. And every one of them has a purpose. Every one of them. And then someone else told me that you take a lump of snow about this big and you can find 18 million snowflakes in it. 18 million. And they tell us that all the snowflakes are different. God has and creates variety, and he constantly is creating, and you are one of them. Not only talking about beetles and snowflakes, I'm talking about you. He created you unique. Never be another one like you in the planet. And he created you for a purpose. For a purpose. David discovered this great truth. And he, and he wrote it down for us as well, moved by the Holy Spirit. He said this in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You is referring to God. God, you created my inmost being. Inmost beings talk about your liver, your lungs, your kidneys, your heart. God created that. Then it goes on and says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. He took your organs and he knitted them together with your veins in your arteries. He connected them. Verse 15 says it this way. My frame was not hidden from you. The word frame is referring to your bone structure, your skeleton. God created that. And then verse 16, and I do love this verse. It says this, your eyes saw my unformed body. That word unformed literally means embryo. So the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, God was creating you. Not mother nature, not even your mom and dad. God used your mom and dad to make you, but God created you in your mother's womb. You know what that means? That means that you are not a mistake. You're not an accident. And you're definitely not here by chance. No, God created you in your mother's womb for a purpose. He's wired you, framed you, created you for you to do something that only you can do. And the sovereign God who knows everything. He is all-knowing. That means you cannot surprise God. That means you can't do anything that he doesn't know about. He's known about you. He's created you. He knew the time he was going to create you. And this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, sovereign God has chose for us in this generation to gather together for 17 years because he knows he has a mission that needs to be completed. And he knows that we would gather together and we would take on the city of Pittsburgh together because he knew that those people down there needed to hear and see and get connected to the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. So for such a time as this, we're celebrating the fact that God created us and he's gathered us together to lock arms so that we might change our city for Jesus Christ. But he's not only, if you will, created you, but he's chosen you. He's chosen you for such a time as this to be alive in this generation. Look what it says over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What's this idea of knowing you in advance? David discovered it. Look what he says in Psalm 139. Being led by the Holy Spirit, he writes in verse 16, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The idea that God knew you in advance, knew you before there was a you. In other words, before God ever created the heavens and the earth, if he would have had a wallet, he would have opened up that wallet and your picture would have been in it. This all-sovereign, all-knowing God knew about you before there was even time. He's known about you. You know what that means? You could have been born in the 1400s. You could have been born in the 1800s. 
But you're alive today, sitting in that chair, looking up at me, because God created you and chose you for such a time as this to be alive in this generation. And now he's calling us. He created us and chose us for such a time as this, and he's calling us. Calling us to do what? Look what it says in verse 10. It says this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are those good works? What's he called us to do together? Why are we here? Why wouldn't Jesus just save you and take you back up to heaven? Because God has you here for a purpose, and this is it. This is ultimately the purpose why you're here. He wants you to take as many people with you as you possibly can on your way out of here. That's why you're here. Think about it. Why else would you be here? Why wouldn't he just save you and take you out of here? Because there's millions upon millions of people that didn't get the opportunity that you've had to hear about Jesus Christ. And they're lost forever if they do not come to know him as their Savior and Lord. So the Christ who died on that cross, walked out of that grave, lives within you. And the Spirit of God has deposited in your life, and he's looking for you, you, to fulfill your purpose. He has created you, he has chosen you, and he's called us together to win not only your neighborhood and your family, but the city of Pittsburgh. Watch this. When you think about what the mission is, it says in Matthew 28, 19. So what's he called us to go do? I've said this many, many, many times, but it's needed to be said because this is Urban Impact Sunday. The mission, Matthew 28, 19, says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the very beginning of that verse, it says, Therefore go. What Jesus is saying there, he's taking it for granted that all of his disciples are going to go. They're going to go if they're a follower of him. And what are they going to do? The commandment, there's only two words in that passage that's a commandment. The commandment is this, make disciples. Hear me on this. He didn't call us to be a disciple. He called us to make disciples. So once you know Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God dwells within you, you are to multiply yourself. You're to take what you've learned and you need to invest it in someone else. Hear me. Exactly as I'm teaching you today, as I'm preaching and teaching and you're learning something, you're not to just to hang on to it. You're to disciple somebody else. You're to take what you're learning today and invest it in somebody else. If you don't take what you're learning today and invest it in somebody else, you are not making disciples. Make sure you understand that. If you're just taking information in and learning the Bible and, and you're not investing in anybody else, you're not making a disciple. Because discipleship means that you take what you learned and you invest it in somebody else. So what happens? When you stand before God, God is going to look at you and he's going to say, all the information that you have, all the times that you learned, how many disciples did you make? And we as pastors want you to be able to stand there before God and know that there are tens of thousands of people because you've invested in a few people that they multiplied themselves and it keeps going on and on and like that, that we can reach our world. That's what happened in the first century. Those 12 boys went out and they did what Jesus told them to do. And then he told them where to do it. Where in the Bible does it tell you where to go? Say it with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Say that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read it. 
It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. And what's amazing is those boys in that day, they got that done, and they turned the world upside down. Twelve of them. There's a lot more than twelve of us in this room. A lot more. But here's the question. Are we going to fulfill the purpose that God created you for? He created you, he chose you, and he's called you to go and make what? Disciples. And where are we supposed to do that? We're to do that in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world. We need to be part of that. You see, I have had the privilege to travel around. It's been an honor to travel around and preach in a lot of places, a lot of cities. And when I go to these places to preach, they'll say this to me. And I'll I'll preach this kind of a message that God has created you, God has chosen you, God has called you. And they'll pull me aside, the leadership, and they'll say, Pastor Glover, um, help us to understand. Our, our, Our church isn't growing. Help us to understand how we can get outside of our walls and really reach. And I'll say, okay, let's talk about what you do. And they'll always talk about how they're reaching their Jerusalem, where they live, and that's good. And they, most churches that I go into do a good job of impacting their neighborhood. Then they'll start talking to me, to me about outer parts of the world. And they'll talk about going to Asia. And they're in Haiti. And they're in Africa. And they support these missionaries. And they send people over. And they do all these things all around the world. But then I'll talk to them about Judea and Samaria. Now Samaria, you've got to remember, those people don't like you. Remember the Samaritans? They didn't like the Jews. And, and the Jews didn't like them. And God told them to go to them. And they did. And they went to Judea and Samaria. They went to those people that were different than them. And they went there to win them for Jesus Christ. And I say, how about you? Where do you go? And, and most of the churches that I'm going into are suburban churches. And I'm preaching there. And what they'll say, and I'll, I'll say, where do, where do you go? And they'll say, well, we go to the city. I'll say, what do you do for the city? And they say, well, we do a homeless ministry. We work with the homeless. And I'll say that basically, yeah, that's what we do. And that's how you're reaching the city. Yes. I'll say to them, you know what, in, in, in Pittsburgh, I work with Light of Life Ministries. I work for uh, Living Ministries. I work with them. We minister to the homeless. I believe in ho- we need to minister to the homeless. But let me help you, at least in Pittsburgh, that's only a half a percent of the population in the city. A half a percent. There's only 1,500 people in the city of Pittsburgh that are homeless. I said, go back and look at your, your, what you're doing and ask your question. Are you really reaching the city that you live in? And they go, Pastor, man, wow, what do we do? What do we do? And I'll say, okay, let's, let's go back and let's look at it. And then, inevitable, there will be people out there as I'm talking, and I'm telling them about how we did, because we won two national awards. You know that. You see, because we partnered together, stuff is happening. And they'll say to me, can you train us? Can you help us? And I'll start talking, and it's inevitable. That people will start to get an attitude and they'll say, all those cities, all those cities. I'll go, okay. So, let's look at that. You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to go to the outer parts of the world. But you have jumped over Judea and Samaria, and I'll say, as the big C church, for over 70 plus years. We have no strategy. We have no design. We're not training anybody. We're not sending anybody back to our cities to win our cities for Jesus Christ. And then you stand up, I'll say to them. You stand up and you'll say this to me before the day is over with. You go, how could it be in our lifetime that we could lose the Judeo-Christian ethic in America? That was the very plumb line, the very fabric that kept everything together in our culture. 
What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. And I'm saying we not only can't post them, nobody even knows what they are anymore. And then they'll say this. And then we've got our leadership standing up and talking about that our nation is no longer Christian. How could that be happening in our lifetime? And I'll say to them, let me help you understand. A lot of reasons that's happening. But one of them is this. That the American church for 70 plus years and more has gone to their Jerusalems and they've gone to their Judeas. I'm sorry, to the outer parts of the world. But they jumped over Judea and Samaria. What do I mean by that? Since the 50s, we created what we call suburbs. And we created these suburbs and there's nothing wrong with that. We created them. They're great. I like to be in them. I said, but when we moved out of the city and we went out and created these suburbs, we, we as the Christian church never had any idea of how to have a strategy to continue to reach the city. We just left the city. And when I travel around cities, I'll tell them, and I'll get in a car and I'll drive them around and I'll show them church building after church building after church building that now is some nightclub, restaurant, or something else, but it's not a church. And back in those days, we were having people living there that were communicate and demonstrate the gospel in those cities, and we had impact. But now for 70 plus years, we've left those cities. And I tell them this, you know what? Our country in America, we have a lot of people that come from all over the world to come here and live here. But when they came 100 years, 150 years ago, they didn't just come and leave their country and leave their families and leave their nations. They raised up, they raised up missionaries. They trained those missionaries. They equipped those missionaries. They gave money to those missionaries. And they sent them back to those parts of the world so that we could be faithful to win that world for Jesus Christ. But what we've done in America is we moved out of the city, out into the suburbs, and we don't even give a dime to impacting that city. So when you say to me, I tell them, that we've lost the Judeo ethic, we are no longer a Christian nation, it's because for 70-some years we've left the largest populations in America untouched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No plan, no strategy, no training, no one calling anybody back to it. I said, so you know what we got to do? we got to begin to lock arms with one another. And we got to begin to go back into those places. And we got to go back in and make a change in those, in those neighborhoods. we got to do that like we've done around the world. And they look at me and they'll say, Pastor Glover, how can we do that? Who does that? And then I tell them, I do. I've got a training center that trains people. I have 35 missionaries on the north side of Pittsburgh. I've sent... Hundreds of missionaries all over, the, all over the United States in different cities. We're in Pittsburgh. We're in Charlotte. We're doing all these things. And I'll say, do you want to help? Two churches, two churches said yes. I've been in hundreds, except Christ Church. Christ Church, for 17 years, has locked arms with us. And we're down there on the north side of Pittsburgh. And we're changing people's lives. We're fulfilling Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. We have locked arms. We're down there, and we got 70-plus adults downtown right now living in that community. 35 of them are urban missionaries who raise their support, live on the north side. But i got to tell you this. Those missionaries down on the north side, they make as much money as the people they're working for and working with. They're as poor as they are. And I come and I beg churches to give to them and, and give to them. And it's amazing how nobody will give to those people. You know where they got to go get their money? From their families. From their families. 
And the Christian church will not get behind people who are giving up their time, their energy, buying homes, doing whatever they got to do to get in that city, bringing their kids and their families into those neighborhoods to win those city, win the city for Jesus Christ. And the church doesn't get behind them. That is crazy, except Christ Church. Except Christ Church. Another thing. We are doing a training center now. We're training up people, and we're going to continue to train people. We're going to train people right here in Pittsburgh. God might be calling you to be a missionary. And you've thought about it, and you've prayed about it, and you need to step out, and you need to come talk to us, and we'll get you involved, and we'll get you so that you can impact people's lives, and we can turn our cities around for Jesus Christ. Because we don't have a plan just to hit Pittsburgh. As you know, we're in Charlotte. we got our eyes on Philadelphia. we got our eyes on Atlanta. we got our eyes because we're going to raise up hundreds, maybe thousands of men and women that are going to get a hold of what it means to really impact. Why can I do that? Why can I say that? Because we've won two national awards for what we do. And everybody that's talking to me and saying, Glover, Don't die with what you've learned. Pass it on. Make disciples that make disciples and send out an army so that we might win our cities for Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing together. That's what we're doing together in Jesus Christ. We're going to win our cities. We're going to take them back. I believe it. You know what people used to say to me? That could never happen. Oh, yeah? I, I, I went into a street. My family, I brought my wife and I into a street where four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied. There's not a place in the area that I live now that's boarded up and unoccupied. We reach thousands of people every year. 500 of them came to know Christ just this past year. We serve 36,000 meals to kids. We have 100% of our kids graduating from high school. We got 97% of our kids going to college, trade schools, jobs, military, ministry. We have now decades of people where we're getting the grandkids. We've got momentum. We're taking back the north side. You know why that is? Because now everybody wants to come to the north side. If you not watch the papers, you're reading everything. Everybody wants to buy on the north side. You know why? Because 32 years, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached in the north side of Pittsburgh. Listen, you've got to remember that the north side is as big as Erie, Pennsylvania, land-wise. Population's the size of Butler. So even though we're impacting thousands of people, there are tens of thousands of people that are still lost. And we need to win them. How can you help us? Some of you, many of you are already involved. And I'm asking you to keep involved and even go deeper. But there are those of you that had no idea what we do, had no idea how you can be involved. And I thank Pastor Jared and the church for giving me the opportunity because I'm going to be honest with you. I've looked at the statistics, and the stats are this, that Christ Church in the last two years has declined. They declined in volunteering, declined in giving money to Urban Impact. And I put, I do not say anything to you about that. I take full responsibility for it. Because I've learned here in 17 years, when you come up in front of Christ Church and you ask them for anything, they will get behind it because they're can-do people. They get it done. And that's why I love partnering with you. Because you just don't stand around talking about it. You get it done. You're people of action. You're gonna, if you say it, you're going to do it. And if you say it, you're going to do it. And if you do it, we get it done. And I have been the one. I haven't, you, haven't stu- you haven't seen me stand here before you with the passion I have today. And I haven't been doing it for two years because I've been sliding. I've been looking and watching. It's just been happening, but it hasn't been happening. And God's been saying to me, you get up, Ed, and you tell, the, you tell my people, and my people will stand up, and they will get this done. So I know it's going to happen. But in case you never know how to do it, we've given you exactly what to do. Open this up now. Open it up. On the very top, it says prayer. All I'm asking you to do is rip that thing off. And pray for us every day. It's a simple prayer. Put it in your Bible. Put it on the refrigerator. Pray, please. Next, it shows you all kinds of ways in which you can be involved with Urban Impact. We have tables out there. You can go sign up. 
Hopefully you DVR'd the Steeler game. Don't worry about it. Go out there and sign up today. Figure out how you can be involved in education, sports, options, uh, performing arts, and so on, and business. But I want to say two things. One is that if you've re- retired, don't retire, rewire. Say that with me. Don't retire, rewire. If we're going to win our city, people have trained you and equipped you for years. You've been given skill. Skill in technology, skill in business, skill in education, skill in nursing. You've been, you, you've been gifted. You've been skilled. And what we want to do as believers, as Christians, is harness all of that and bring that into our community where you can impact the community with us. You can lock arms with us so that we can bring change. Do you know that we're in schools, outside of schools? We're working with 250 businesses. We have 71 different churches that we work with, on and on and on. And the way you do that is you need four, five, six, seven hundred volunteers coming down to change people's lives. So I'm asking you, don't retire, rewire. Sign up and ask how you can be used. Last is this, how you can be used. We're buying up homes right now on the north side of Pittsburgh. Why are we doing that? Because our missionaries can't afford the housing. The north side has changed so rapidly, they can't get housing that's affordable. Guess who? They can't go to the people. The people are poor to get money from them. they got to go to the churches, to their families, to get resources, and they're trying they, And rent is skyrocketing. So Urban Impact is buying up homes so we can secure those homes so that our missionaries have a safe place to live and they can raise their families in that area. You know what? If you work with your hands, women's groups, men's groups, youth groups, you can come down this year and help us renovate those homes so that that leadership, those missionaries can stay on the north side of Pittsburgh. You can come and help us with labor. We're buying up churches on the north side of Pittsburgh, and redeeming these churches that are not churches today, but we're redeeming them so that they can be used of God in those neighborhoods. You can be part of all of that. Last but not least is how to give to us. I'm giving you four different ways. I know I'm saying a lot, but i got to get it out here because I haven't done it for years. Number one, is you got, if you look on that sheet of paper, we have three missionaries that come right out of this church. One of them is Eric Anderson. You can look on it. My son, Nathan. And Amanda Wagner. And all of them have children and families. And they're growing those families. And they need support. They need prayer. They need encouragement. Second is that you, those of you that go and work in businesses, you're, you're working there and they're asking you to give to United Way. They're putting the pressure to do that. You can take this sheet of paper. You can show your friends. And all, you, all they got to do in your workplace is write this number, 9532. And all the resources come right to Urban Impact third way that you can help us is that also you can help us by just being part of the Urban Impact team. $20 a month, guys. $20 a month. You'll be amazed how it can impact a kid's life. Just $20 a month. Last is the cafe. You go to the cafe right out there and the entire proceeds comes to help Urban Impact. John Guest has always said this. Nothing moves without prayer, leadership, and money. And I'm encouraging you in some way. I've given you, given you a lot of opportunities to think about and how you can get involved. But I end with this. God created you. God chose you. And God has called you. And he's called us together to lock arms, to win, yes, your neighborhood. Why does Urban Impact bring its whole ministry up here at Christmas? Why wouldn't we do it on the north side of Pittsburgh? We were doing it on the north side of Pittsburgh for years. Why did we come here? Because we have a partnership with you. And we want to reach not only our Jerusalem, we want to reach Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. So we're, why do I do man up all the way out in victory? 
Because Urban Impact's fulfilling its mission. It's just not on the north side. It's going to reach its city. The problem is, hear me, and I'm preaching to you because you're family. I'm asking you to get the passion that I have and start challenging people. But I go to churches and I say I do all that. They could care less. They don't care that I'm taking my resources and my people and trying to impact their neighborhoods. I am telling you, people come down to my training center and they pimp me. They come down and they learn about what we do so that they can build their church out in the suburbs. They don't even come back to volunteer and they don't come back to give. They come to that connections. They find out what we do, how we do, how we're in schools, how we do basketball, how we do education. They come down and pimp me and then take our stuff and never give back. That's how crazy it is. Folks, cast vision to people. Tell them the story. You are making an impact in the city of Pittsburgh. The momentum is huge for such a time as this. You and I, us as a church and a ministry, are locking arms, and we're going to change that city for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for each one in this room. I thank you for how they pray, how they give, how they go, all that they do. And I pray, God, you would minister to them. You would encourage their hearts. And as the kids come out to dance, that Lord, as, they, as the people listen to the music, listen to the song, this is a testimony. This is their testimony of what you have done in their lives. May, that, may this song and may what they do minister to each and every one of us. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.